Welcome to Transformed by Grace, an in-depth Bible study of God's Word, presented by the Berean Bible Society. Join us each time on this station as Pastor Kevin brings the transforming message of God's grace revealed through the Holy Scriptures. There's a man in Texas who invited a bunch of businessmen out to his ranch for a barbecue. He gathered them all around, and once he got them all in place, he stood before them and said, Look over this edge at my little lake on my ranch. I have filled it with crocodiles and alligators. If there is anyone willing to walk across these alligators and crocodiles and go from this end of the lake and get out on the other side alive, I'll give you one of three things. I'll give you a 500-acre ranch, a million dollars in cash, or the hand of my daughter in marriage, whichever one you want. He had no sooner said that than somebody jumped into the lake, and everyone heard splash. The rich Texan looked over the edge, and there was a guy in that lake who didn't even take his shoes off. He still had a three-piece suit on. He was running across these gators and crocs as fast as humanly possible. Water's flying everywhere. Crocodiles were snapping. Alligators were chasing him and snapping at him. And this guy was going through it all. He made it all the way to the other end. He climbed out soaking wet, but without a scratch on him. He was breathing deeply, trying to get his breath. The rich Texan went over to him and said, Son, I meant this only as a practical joke. I didn't really mean for anyone to try to go across that lake. But you did it, and I'm as good as my word. Which one do you want? The 500-acre ranch, the $1 million in cash, or my daughter's hand in marriage? And the out-of-breath young man looked at the rich Texan and said, I don't want any of them. I just want to get my hands on the guy that pushed me. Sometimes we need a push in the Christian life. And God's Word does that by the Holy Spirit. It challenges us to progress and to move forward in our practical sanctification, in living set-apart lives for Christ as a bright testimony for Him and His grace. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. For the last two chapters of this epistle, Paul challenged the Thessalonian church regarding their sanctification. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, he had written, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. From that point forward, Paul gave the Thessalonian believers instruction about abstaining from immorality, increasing in love, minding your own business, working with your own hands, and living sober, alert, and as a light before those outside of Christ in view of the rapture of the church and the tribulation that follows it. Then in rapid-fire succession, Paul lists, Paul lists some top-priority commands vital to our sanctification. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. Quench not the Spirit, despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. All of that instruction leads Paul back to his original challenge and God's will for our lives to be sanctified. Now, sanctify simply means to set apart. And in its scriptural definition, it means to be set apart 
to God. And being set apart to God, the Bible teaches about both positional and practical sanctification. Regarding positional sanctification, Hebrews 10.10 teaches, By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. When we trust Christ as our personal Savior, that He died for our sins and rose again, at that moment of salvation, we were sanctified. We were set apart to God by the cross of Christ, and we now belong to God forever. And that is positional sanctification. We were set apart from Satan unto God. We were set apart from darkness unto light. We were set apart from sin unto righteousness. We were set apart from eternal death unto eternal life. We were set apart from hell unto heaven. And this is why Paul wrote the Corinthians, who were far from perfect in their everyday living, that ye are sanctified, because that is our position in Christ. We are positionally set apart unto God forever based on the redemptive work of Christ. And nothing can change that fact. We belong to God forever. The scriptures also teach about our practical sanctification. This refers to our spiritual growth in Christ and being set apart to God more and more in our practice. This is something that can and should change. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Paul is writing about our practical sanctification. Sanctify in this verse is a verb. It speaks of an action. Practical sanctification is an activity. It is a process. It's about making progress, going from what we are to what God wants us to be in Christ through a process of growth, molding, shaping, change, transformation by grace, and the working of the Holy Spirit. Yakov Smirnov, the Russian comedian, tells the story of how when he first came to the United States, he was not prepared for the incredible variety of instant products available in American grocery stores. He said, I'll never forget walking down one of the aisles of the grocery store and seeing powdered milk. Just add water and you get milk. Right next to it was powdered orange juice. Just add water and you get orange juice. Then I saw baby powder. And I thought to myself, what a country. We live in in an instant society, in an instant culture. We like for things to take place instantly and quickly. But practical sanctification does not happen overnight. It is a process. And it is a process that should not be sped up. Just like it takes time for a child to mature into adulthood... It is necessary for it to take time for us to mature in the Lord. And sanctification is a process where we never arrive at the goal, but we press toward the goal of being more and more like Christ. That's the goal that Paul spoke about in Philippians 3 when he wrote, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect or mature, But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling 
of God in Christ Jesus. Practical sanctification takes place all of our lives and ends when we go home to be with the Lord. There is both a negative and a positive aspect of practical sanctification. Negatively, we need to rid ourselves of the habits and poisons of sin, selfishness, and worldliness that plague us, so that God may free us to become who He created us to be in Christ. And then there's a positive aspect of sanctification in renewing our minds by the Word, growing closer in our relationship with Christ, living out His righteousness and being conformed into His image. Puritan writer Thomas Watson wrote of sanctification, It is a principle of grace, savingly wrought, whereby the heart becomes holy and is made after God's own heart. A sanctified person bears not only God's name, but his image. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, the Apostle Paul points us to the one who can help us to grow in our sanctification and to live out the instructions he has given for it. He says, And the very God of peace sanctify you. Paul prayed that the God of peace would sanctify us wholly. We can't sanctify ourselves. We need to rely on God's strength and provision by faith. We are weak, and we will fail if we try to live set-apart lives to God in our own strength. Psalm seventy-three twenty-six says, My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. We need the God of peace to sanctify us wholly, and we do so by faith in Him. But I like that title that Paul gives God here. God is the God of peace, not the God of disorder. Confusion, anxiety, impatience, restlessness, impulsiveness, or hurry. As God works in your life and my life to sanctify us wholly, it won't be by those things. Sanctification is something the God of peace does in us calmly, silently, with His unexplainable peace and strength working in us over time to change us. As we live for the Lord and we grow in our sanctification, often we don't even know it's taking place. And we look back and we wonder, how did this happen? Or when did this ever happen? And we observe how, over time, God gently led us, transformed us little by little by His grace. By His working, He caused us to quietly grow. And He changes our lives from what we were to what we are now. God does not delegate the sanctifying process. He does not command us to do it on our own. It does not happen by decree. God does it. The very God of peace sanctifies us. Sanctification hap happens by His action and His working in our lives as we walk in the Spirit and we live by faith in Him. And that shows that God is personally involved in our lives to sanctify us wholly. However, there are things that we have a responsibility to do in the process of God sanctifying us. And Romans 6.19 tells us one, For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. We are each called to yield and submit to the Lord. Each of us 
uh, can get set in our ways, and we can be stubborn, especially the older we get. But in order for God to set us apart to himself, we need to humbly let God have the right of way with our lives and yield our wills to him. We'll be returning to the program in just a minute. But first, we'd like to take this time to thank you, our partners, for making these programs possible. If you would like to access our library of helpful Bible study tools, go to BereanBibleSociety.org. The Rapture vs. the Second Coming is a 40-page booklet written by Pastor Kevin J. Sadler. This booklet provides a side-by-side contrast of the Rapture and the Second Coming of Christ. Bible references throughout show the vast differences between these two future events, while full-color photos illustrate the clear teachings of Scripture. To order your copy, contact the Berean Bible Society for pricing and availability at 262-255-4750 or visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. To receive our free full-color 32-page monthly magazine, The Berean Searchlight, Call 262-255-4750 or subscribe online at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. Thank you again for your generous gifts. And now, back to the teaching with Pastor Kevin. Christ prayed in John 17, 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As the God of peace sanctifies us and sets us apart unto himself, he does so by his word. As we renew our minds by the word, we move closer to the Lord. And the closer we are to the Lord, the more strength we gain, and we find ourselves further from ungodliness and further from worldliness. The word changes our thinking and our priorities. It leads us to be set apart from the thinking and priorities of the course of this world. For the God of peace to sanctify us wholly, we need to be in the Word, which takes effort, discipline, and time. But the Word of God does the work of God in our lives to sanctify us wholly. And as we spend time with His Word, we need to trust the Word. We need to obey the Word. And we need to rightly divide the Word. 2 Timothy 2.15 teaches us to rightly divide God's word. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. But as 2 Timothy 2.15 says, we must also rightly divide the word. Because there are differences between God's instruction for Israel under the law and God's instruction for the body of Christ under grace. To be sanctified holy, we must be diligent to not wrongly apply promises and truth that is specifically and only for Israel under the law, which does not coincide with God's promises and truth for the body of Christ under grace. Israel had their own instructions for their sanctification, such as we read in Leviticus 20, verses 7 to 8. Sanctify yourselves, therefore, and be ye holy, for I am the Lord your God, and ye shall keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord which sanctify you. 
the statutes God told Israel to keep in order to be set apart to himself was the law of Moses. But like is true for today, there's a similarity. It is the Lord which sanctified Israel, and it is the Lord which sanctifies us. But unlike today, the means by which he did that was by the law of Moses and Israel's obedience to it. Today we are not under the law, but under grace. The means by which God sanctifies us wholly to himself is the teachings of grace in Paul's letters and our obedience to it. We can't and we won't be sanctified wholly if we, the body of Christ, put ourselves back under the law and try to keep it today under grace. A basic example of this is that Israel was commanded in the law of Moses to remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. But under grace, Paul teaches that Christ blotted out the handwriting handwriting of ordinances that was against us by his cross, and that now let not man therefore judge you in respect of an holy day or of the Sabbath days. God's command to keep the Sabbath isn't instruction for us under grace. It is for Israel. It is not for the body of Christ today. And you can't be sanctified holy today if you try to live by the law. But you will be set apart to God today as you yield to and apply our instruction for sanctification today found in the truths of grace, grace in the epistles of Paul. For example, we trust and obey Romans 6 in our identification with Christ, that we died to sin in Him. We have new life in Him being identified with His death, burial, and resurrection. And therefore, as we yield to this instruction, the God of peace will sanctify us. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. The extent to which the God of peace wants to sanctify us is holy. A.T. Robertson defines holy, that word, as the whole of each of you, every part of each of you. God's will for us is to be holy, holy. God intends for His sanctification to extend to every part of our being. There is no part of you that God doesn't know about or care about. He does not want just part of us for Himself. He wants all of us. All of us belongs to God in our positional sanctification in Christ. And God wants all of us to be set apart and to belong to Him in our practical sanctification. In the process of our practical sanctification, God wants our righteous position in Christ and our practice to grow closer and closer together so that we become more and more righteous in behavior like we are in Christ positionally. Paul made it more specific regarding being wholly sanctified when he wrote, And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In this, we learn the makeup of every human being. We are created in the image of God, just as our Creator 
Man is a triune being. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and He is one. Likewise, we are spirit, soul, and body, but we are one. Our spirit is that part which enables us to have communion with God. It is about our worship, our spiritual understanding. The spirit gives us God consciousness. Our soul has to do with our intellect, emotions, and will. It gives us our self-consciousness. Our body is our flesh, blood, and bones with the five senses of sight, hearing, taste, touch, and smell. And by it, we have world consciousness. The body acts on the input we receive from our spirit and soul. A Sunday school teacher asked her eight eager 10-year-olds if they would give $1 million to the missionaries. Yes, they all screamed. She asked them, would you give $1,000? And again, they shouted, yes. She said, how about $100? Oh, yes, we would. They all agreed. Would you give just a dollar to the missionary, she asked. The boys exclaimed, yes, except for one boy, Johnny. The teacher said Johnny as she noticed the boy clutching his pocket. Why didn't you say yes this time, Johnny? And he stammered, well, I have a dollar. This little story, you see the spirit the spiritual understanding of the need to give the missionaries, the spiritual conviction to give to the Lord when you have the money to give. You see the soul and the emotion, the reaction of being excited and troubled and the stubborn, the, the stubborn will, the desire to keep the money that Johnny had. And you see the body reacting and shouting and Johnny clutching his pocket, holding that money in his pocket in response to the input he received from his spirit and soul. And as the God of peace sanctifies us holy, God works to sanctify and set apart all three parts of our person to himself. And it's, it's interesting to me that when we list these three parts of our being, we normally say body, soul, and spirit. Most times we think of the body first, and I especially do when I'm hungry. But God puts the order here as spirit and soul and body. In God's viewpoint, the spirit is of primary importance and the body last. The order they are listed, spirit, soul, and body, teaches where our priorities need to be. When we put our relationship with God first and sanctify the spirit, then our soul and body follow. As we put the spiritual first, this affects how we think, feel, react, what we do, and where we go. We will be sanctified holy as we live by faith and put Christ first. Paul prayed that the Thessalonians' whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Preserve there means to watch over, guard, or keep. Paul prayed that the God of peace would watch over and keep the Thessalonian believers moving on the path of sanctification until Christ returns at the rapture. Paul's prayer is that they would be preserved blameless. Paul does not say perfect, flawless, or faultless, but blameless. We will never be perfect on this side of heaven in our practice. But the term blameless has to do with unquestioned integrity. It's an assessment of a person's reputation and character, 
meaning to do nothing blameworthy, having nothing that could cause a person's godliness to be called into question. And Paul prayed that their process of sanctification and living a blameless life would be carried out with God's help until the rapture. Wilhelm was a mountaineer's guide in Switzerland. Whenever people wanted to climb the Swiss Alps, they would ask Wilhelm to guide them because he was sure of foot and hand and eye, and because he knew the safest paths to the top. Wilhelm had spent his whole life guiding climbing parties to the tops of the mountains and then guiding them along the more difficult downward trail. Word came to Wilhelm one day that a party of climbers had begun the ascent without a guide and were lost in a blizzard which had come up without warning. Without losing a moment, Wilhelm went out to search for them. That was the last time Wilhelm was seen. When the storm was over, they found him. On the slippery, treacherous mountain slope in the blinding blizzard, he had slipped and fallen into a cleft in the rocks. They buried him there on the mountainside that he had loved so much. The people of the village at the foot of the mountain were so proud of Wilhelm that they wanted to put a tombstone over his head. There was a long discussion about what words they would carve into the stone. After much argument, they decided on these words. He died as he had lived, climbing. That is what God desires for each of our lives, that in our practical sanctification, we live and die climbing, climbing to greater heights of maturity in Christ and being like Him. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says, Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. The faithful one who calls us is the God of peace. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7 teaches what God calls us to. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. God calls each believer unto holiness, unto living set-apart lives unto Him for His glory. And He will do it, because He is faithful. We can trust Him, because He is trustworthy. We can fully rely on Him to sanctify us wholly because He is faithful to His Word. God is committed to your sanctification and my sanctification and our spiritual growth. God is faithful. God has called us unto holiness, and God will do it. These words are simple, direct, no qualification or doubt of any kind. It's not God might do it, or He could do it, or if He wants to, He'll do it. It just says, He will do it. We are pledged God's faithfulness to sanctify us wholly as we yield to Him. As Paul wrote the Philippians, being confident of this very thing, that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Christ started the process of our practical sanctification at our salvation, and we are confident that He that began this good work in us, in our lives of setting us apart to Himself, will perform it until the rapture when we're with Him and our sanctification is brought to perfection and completion. And it's been said, well, the work you have in me begun will by your grace be fully done. Thank you again for tuning in to Transformed by Grace. We appreciate your prayer support and the financial gifts. The purpose and mission of the Berean Bible Society 
is to help you understand the whole counsel of the Word of God. For more information, visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org or give us a call at 262-255-4750. Or if you prefer, write us at the Berean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, 53022. Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.